My name's Todd Adams. This is Gabby Adams. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 213, sweetie. Awesome. You okay with that? I am. Um, What is Zen Parenting Radio, you may ask? Zen Parenting Radio is a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 11. And our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent. But more importantly, sweetie, it's to become a better you. And always remember that our mantra or our motto or something that starts with the letter M is... Our belief system. Our belief system is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So um, we have a busy little show, but it's going to be a good one. Uh, But first, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. I want to thank our listeners for giving us iTunes reviews. I want to thank our listeners for sharing our Facebook page and all that good stuff. We did get an iTunes review, sweetie. I know. I read it this morning. You posted it on our page. It's titled, Zen Parenting is the Goods from Lizzie P9. You know why I liked that? Because we always say things are the goods. It we'll is. Be like, that's the goods. So do you think she got that from us? I, well, no, no. I don't even know if we say it on the show. Oh, really? I just know you and I say it to each other. You're the goods, sweetie. You're the goods. Uh, then, this coffee is not the goods. Yeah, not so good. I'm drinking bad coffee. I love bad coffee. And I love not having fun. <laughs> you know what I love? Hmm. I love having coffee. So if it's bad, I'll still drink it, but I'd prefer a good coffee. I think you're just dealing with a curveball. A blizzard outside, which... Uh, doesn't allow me to go out and get coffee. I know. If I worked really hard, I could probably do it. I just don't want to work that hard. So, um, Masque Living, we're uh, screening this documentary called Masque Living on March 11th. We've been talking a lot about it the last four weeks or so. So, the gist is um, it's at York Theater in Elmhurst. Seats are limited. Um, and it's all about raising boys in a society that is sometimes not so easy to understand a, an, an honest, healthy concept of masculinity. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. Um, I love that, but you didn't read Lizzie's review. Were you planning on it? No. Or Liz's review? No, I didn't. Uh, you know, it's, she just says we're awesome. Oh, got it. Okay. So, yes. So, this movie, uh, March 11th, Wednesday, March 11th, it's at York Theater in Elmhurst. Um, and the way that you get tickets, it is at a regular movie theater, but theater, but you have to go to my website or to the Zen Parenting website, kathyseadams.com or zenparentingradio.com and get your tickets there. And then you're put on a list and you just show up and enjoy the movie. Todd and I have already watched it. It's excellent. And it's a very, it's very thought provoking. Let me tell you that. Was it thought provoking? It was very thought provoking. I was, I was provoked. I hope a lot of dads show up. That's all mm-hmm. I gotta say. Um, so we're gonna talk about dementia of the preoccupied, yes. sweetie. We're also gonna talk about seven morning rituals to empower your um, your day and change your life. Oh, I thought we were gonna do something else. Oh, we're gonna do a lot of things. Five ways to raise uh, kids to be kind. Okay. Um, so yeah, and then we're gonna talk about jerks. Um, jerk store? <laughs> Not jerk store, I'm going sweetie. Going with jerk store. <laughs> um, but first. So we're doing. May God bless and keep you always. May your wishes all come true. May you always do for others. Sweetie, why am I playing this song? Because this is the theme to parenthood. It is. Dylan, right? Bob Dylan. Forever young. Forever young. All right. Um, I have been a huge fan of this show, and its finale was last week. And I just want to acknowledge how awesome of a show it was. That's all I want to do. Mm-hmm. And for those who have seen it and watched it religiously the way I have, 
You know what I'm talking about? For those of you who haven't, they did get over 100 episodes, which means they will eventually be syndicated. Correct. And if you want to work on your parenting and enjoy this wonderful show, uh, once it comes into syndication, you get or a great show. Or isn't it on Netflix? And can't you binge watch it? I don't think it's on Netflix, is it? Really? I think it's on Hulu, but I don't think you can go back into like season one and two and all that. Oh. I could be wrong. I don't know. So I can't. I can't say. But use I, the internets and find out. Internets. It just seems like syndication is such like a long term thing. Meaning you have to wait till it comes yeah. out of syndication. You have to. It'll DVR probably it. be bought by Netflix or yeah, something. Yeah, like I think that. someone will get it. But um, you watched the last twenty minutes of the finale. What, what was <laughs> your two cents, sweetie? I did well. So I occasionally watch this show. It's a little heavy for me. Very good, but just not what I wanted to watch before bed. Um, so. I thought it was excellent. I thought the last, uh, you know, the last episode was really well done, and I thought it was realistic, but uplifting, and um, I just appreciated it. I, I, you know, I cried a lot, and it was good. How's it, that? It was really good. I'm looking at this, um, the top top ten crying moments because it's a it's a crying show. It's it for is. those well, who like to cry. That's kind of my point is that I already cry a lot. So, and I love a good cry movie occasionally, but parenthood was always mm-hmm. so heavy that the whole idea of having a long day and then sitting down and being like, I think I'll watch an hour of parenthood just kind of sucked the life out of me. And it energized me. That's how, you know, people are different. They are. And, and again, I will reiterate, it doesn't mean I didn't think it was good. Right. It's just too much. So, um, but first, let me talk about our first partner, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. That's uh, 630-941-8733. Dr. Kelly adjusts me and you and our three daughters. Correct. And she's really good at what she does. So if you are living in the Chicagoland area, give them a call. It's chirotree.com. So, sweetie, what's this all about dementia, the preoccupied? So I was listening to this uh, NPR interview a couple days ago, and I found it so interesting because, first of all, the... um, the topic was the science of the teenage brain. And I was trying to look who the um, person being interviewed was, but I know that she was a neuroscientist. I know that she was like the head of the department at her university. So she's an educator and a researcher and they've been doing all these studies on the teenage brain. And it's that in itself is a whole nother story, but just to kind of sum it up for you, um, it's just about understanding brain development and that their prefrontal cortex, which is where all the, their decision-making and where their, Um, desire to take risks lives, Mm -hmm. Um, just that it's not fully developed. And we've known that for a while, but she just goes into a little more detail about understanding the teenage brain. Because a lot of times, even with little kids, Todd, I'm kind of getting off tangent or track here. Hey, we're all about tangential stuff, sweetie. But what's interesting to me is when parents say things like, you know, my two-year-old has a tantrum. How can I get him to stop? Or, you know, my four-year-old just doesn't listen to me. I have to, you know, say things three times. It's not all about personality. Mm-hmm. Their brain can literally not tolerate certain things. And our job as a parent to keep them safe is to help them learn some tools to tolerate as they mature. So what's going to happen is as they grow up, not only will they have the tools, but their their brain will actually develop a sense of maturity where they can handle things better. Mm-hmm. So my point of saying that is that a lot of times with two-year-olds will say they're having a tantrum. I can't believe they're having a tantrum. And I want to be like, of course they're having a tantrum. They live in the immediate present constantly. So when you say, no, 
you can't have that cookie right now, but tomorrow around three, we'll have cookies. You may as well say you're never going to get it. Yeah, that means nothing to them. And so what is their response? Tears and crying because that's all they have Mm -hmm. at that point. So that's a two-year-old. What about a 12-year-old who says, I want to go to my friend's house and they go, you can't go today, you can go tomorrow and they have a 12-year-old tantrum, whatever that looks like. Well, again, it would be for different reason, meaning that there's a little more brain development there, but there's not, again, all of their decision-making and executive functioning in that prefrontal area is not completely solidified, which means that maybe their choices in that moment may not be great. Right. Maybe the things they say or maybe they bolt out the door. And So what you're saying is the tantrum will look different. They'll look tell different. you off or they'll be a little sassy. Or, or if you have developed a relationship with that 12-year-old where they know that they're seen and heard and valued, mm-hmm. they st- still may be frustrated, but they may not necessarily take their anger out at you. They may not understand or like your answer, but because of the relationship that's developed, they may not. Sweetie, you know, what about our middle child yesterday who where you, you invited her to um, practice some gratitude. Yeah, that was a good conversation, I thought. So I thought she was... what happened? Well, you know, we've just had one of those weekends where we've had a lot of awesome things mm-hmm. going on, you know, fun dinners and right. activities. But we've also had some things we've had to say no to and that we've had to disappoint the girls, especially something that they were looking forward to that Todd and I can no longer attend. Too long of a story. But my daughter was really heavily focused on that one thing. And she was heavily focused on that one thing in the midst of all of these other amazing things that were happening. Mm -hmm. And so my comment to her was, the thing that you're going to miss, I totally get why you're upset. And I even gave... I thought it was a movie. Wasn't she mad about a movie? No. She was mad about the the school event that she came to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Um, And so... I said, I totally understand why you're bummed. And I even gave an example from my childhood when I couldn't go to something that was very similar yeah. and it was really devastating. Yeah. So there was I wasn't trying to tell her to not be sad about that. Right. I said, but right now in the midst of all of these amazing things that are happening, you're allowing that to kind of ruin everything that you're experiencing here. I didn't pull in the you're making things difficult for us. Mm -hmm. I didn't say you're bringing us down. Mm -hmm. I didn't say you shouldn't feel this way. I said, you actually have a choice here. You can stay sad about this and kind of just let that be your night, or you can recognize all these things we're doing right now. And I just, like you said, I said, I invite you to recognize the good in this moment. And she was... um, she didn't get well, annoyed. She actually said, okay. Well, and I don't remember exactly what you said, but it was something to the effect of it's okay to be sad. Absolutely. And I understand it's okay to be disappointed. But sometimes as your mom, I need to remind you that um, to focus on what you're getting as much as what you're not getting. Right. And in that moment, she was focusing only on what she was right. not she getting. She was stuck in that negativity. Yeah. And so as parents, our job is not to tell them why they shouldn't feel negative. Right. Our job is to say the negativity is normal. I get it. Been there. And I'm very apologetic right. that you can't do what you wanted to do. Yeah. But at the same time, you're missing mm-hmm. What we're experiencing right now, which is something she really wanted to do. Yeah, we were eating popcorn and watching watching a movie. movie, We were having pizza. And I was like, you're like not even here Mm -hmm. because you're worried about something that you wanted to do a week from now. And I said, so, you know, like you said, I invite you to notice this. And it doesn't mean everything else is going to go away, but it gives you some choice. Well, and it was, um, you know, and and it's a delicate balance between how you use the words. And the words and how you use them are so important because... You could have kind of had the same message, but put a little bit of shame in there. Right. And all of a sudden you lose them and then it spirals out of control. Absolutely. So sometimes it's, you have to be very, 
methodical. I don't know what the word Thoughtful. is. Thoughtful. And, and you also have to recognize where you are with it because I was having a good time no matter what, mm. meaning Cameron wasn't ruining my time. Right. That's what we do as parents. We'll be like, you're ruining the rest of the family's time. That's just shame. Mm. And sometimes that can be the truth. Yeah. But in that moment, that is not how I felt. I just was noticing her and noticing that she was missing stuff. So when I was talking to her, I wasn't saying, hey, will you change so I can feel better? Yeah. I was just saying for your benefit. Yeah. This is um, about you. You're, you're kind of missing. You gave her the power to decide right. if her night's going to be okay or if it's going to be crappy. Right. And you can, and you know, she could have said, no, I'm going to stay stuck. Okay. I'm going to. Then back I off. probably would have said, if you're going to stay stuck, then stay stuck upstairs because I don't want your negativity around. No, you wouldn't have. I would have said it a little bit nicer than that. But if she was a little grump, old still skin while we're eating yummy pizza and popcorn and watching a family movie. No, I, I, you're saying that, but you wouldn't have because there's no way we would have excluded Cameron from watching a family movie because she was grumpy. That mm. wouldn't have happened. Well, it depends on how grumpy she got. Like if she truly is like screaming and crying and. Go scream and cry upstairs. Well, yeah, but she Cameron didn't do that. Scream right. and cry, right? I'm saying, but there may be a parent out there that oh. does something like this, oh. and then all of a sudden it does affect the energy of the room. And th- and that's different. That's for a younger child. Like well, Cameron's ten years old. I but know, but there's probably ten years ten year olds out there. Maybe, that- maybe you're right. Okay, so but there are some younger kids who maybe the their system is so disrupted yes. that they need to be they need to go to a different place to calm down. Mm. So it's not just about get out of here. You're bugging me. Right. It's this is not the best place for you. Right. Um, so I, I hear that, but I just think that. So let me finish what okay, I was going to say. Sorry. So in this interview about the teenage brain, one of the things that they ended on was um, uh, this woman said, "Okay, this is not a diagnostic. Uh, this is not a true diagnosis." She said, "But one thing I've recognized about our generation, which is us, anywhere from thirty-five to fifty." Is we have, you know, because she was talking about how the teenage brain is, it's still learning to fire on all cylinders. She said around 38, your brain is really firing on all cylinders. But then as you get older, it starts to plateau. And not only that, but we as parents are such multitaskers and we're constantly moving from thing to thing to thing to thing and having our attention drawn away that we never really imprint memories, which keeps us from remembering what we were doing two minutes before. And she called that, again, this is not a real diagnosis, everybody. She was just kind of playing with words. The dementia of the preoccupied. And when I heard that, I was so relieved because Todd and I have both been talking for the last year about how we cannot remember what we were just talking about a minute before. Or I will say, I need three things from the grocery store. And I will start saying them and I cannot remember what the third one was. And it's absolutely maddening. Mm-hmm. And what she gave me in terms of neuroscience and in terms of you know brain is that because we are constantly being pulled away from tasks and like, you know, here, sign this, go interrupted, here. Interrupted, 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 yeah. interrupted. Our brain literally does not have the ability or capacity to imprint what we were doing a minute before. Right. So it's not a lack of memory. We're not utilizing our brain to even create the memory right. so that we can pull from it later. Because, you know, Todd and I, we're not even really joking about it, but, you know, this... Julianne Moore movie is out about, you know, it's called Still Alice. She's going to win Academy Award, all that stuff, about this early onset Alzheimer's. And when you go walk into a room and you have no idea why you're there, Mm -hmm. which happens to both of us, you're kind of like, what is happening to me? So anyway, go ahead. Well, um, so how do we better imprint our memories? So of course, it's everything that we always talk about. Slowing down, 
having a conversation with people and not attending to 10 different things. And we know, and I can't even remember where you and I learned this, but the but the even the word multitask doesn't exist. Right. You really can't. Right. Even though we talk about, oh, I'm a great multitasker, you really are just doing one thing and the rest and of it swi- kind of crap. And then switching over exactly. really quick. You're just, and so that is where your dimension of the preoccupied comes in, where you're really not doing well, anything I, well. And I'll give you the perfect uh, scenario is if I have my email open mm-hmm. and I'll be working on some project that has nothing to do with email. Yes. Um, and then it'll pop up, say, ding, you ding, have a new email. Yep. You have I'll, to look. And I'll like switch over real quick thinking that, oh, I'm checking my email and I'm doing this project too. It so much serves you better if you just close your email down. Yeah, and your social networking. Social networking, because even Facebook dings. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of dings that go yep. on in our lives. And if we have the discipline, which sometimes I do and sometimes I don't, to shut those potential distractions off, even your phone, put your phone in airplane mode. Like yep. if you're doing something hard, like I listen to Zen Habits, the Zen Habits guy, Leo Babuda, I don't know, I don't know how to pronounce uh-huh. his last name. And he talks about how you need to do your MIT, your, your most important thing mm, of the day. Mm-hmm. And it's it's much better served if you do your MIT first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's when you're at your freshest and all that. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do your most important thing at four o'clock in the afternoon. It, almost impossible. One, because your energy is lower. And secondly, it's because you've had a day's worth of distractions that are going to go up on your to-do list. That's right. So if you can focus on your MIT in the morning, before you check your email, put your phone in airplane mode, knock that out. That even builds enthusiasm for the day and bring and creates a certain of inertia towards having a really good, solid, productive day. And honestly, most of the time, I don't have the discipline to do that. I will be more curious of, did somebody reply to my email that I wrote mm-hmm. last night? Yeah. Or uh, and But if I have the discipline to do it, my day goes so much better. Well, and then you just start your day kind of on your own agenda. Um, I, I do have a phone um, in my room when I wake up, but my usual, um, you know, method is meditation first, shower, and then I, as I'm like getting ready in the bathroom, I'm looking at my email. So it's not that I'm completely disconnected in the morning because, you know, it's probably what, 7 a.m. and I've already looked at it, yeah. but I try and do those two things first because especially a meditation, right. um, because if you if you look at your email and then try and go into meditation, you're, you're, you've already pulled in all this stuff before you've even started. Well, and I'm a to-do list type of guy, and I don't know about you guys, but my to-do list is usually 30 things long, each having a different priority. Mm. And that it sounds like a good, efficient way of analyzing how you day, how you want your day to go. But after listening to this guy, he's like, no, one thing, pick one thing that you want to do today and then do that. So if you happen to finish it by 930, then you can go on to the second thing, whatever that may be. But it's gravy. But if you have a list of five things, it becomes overwhelming. So I, I invite our listeners to for either today or for tonight before you go to bed, for tomorrow, pick one, the most important thing, what's your MIT and see if you can just, you know, write it down, put it on the board and that's what you focus on. Well, absolutely. And I feel like 
one of the problems that I have because I sometimes have all these things I want to do is I don't know how to stop my day Mm -hmm. because it'll be five or six and I'll be like, but I could get one more thing done. I could get one more thing done because I kind of don't feel complete yet. You know, that's the issue about having all this technology where we can work from home. There's no natural cutoff. And if I, if I can start a day saying really the only thing I need to do today is write this article or really the only thing I need to do is get ready for this presentation or do a show, then everything else is just extra. Extra. Mm-hmm. And then I can it's easier for me to shut everything off because I'm like I already did my big thing yeah. and everything else is just extra but it's it, you know it's easier said than done it is a practice it is hard to turn off the computer and walk out of the room knowing you could get more done right. but it's not in your best interest right. because you know, you we think we're getting, you know, you were talking about all the dings we actually get adrenaline rushes from those dings and I don't mean like you know, I'm not using that in a metaphorical way. We literally get physical adrenaline mm-hmm. rushes. So that's why we like it when our phone buzzes and our our computer dings is we get this surge of like, ooh, who wants to talk to me? Right. And most of the time it's for spam emails. Yeah, right. So it's hard to walk away from that, but it's good. Um, do you feel good about dementia of the brain? Can yeah, we I mean, I, preoccupied? Yeah, side? I guess I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that for those of you who feel like you can't quite pull up certain words sometimes, that's what cracks me up is when I can't pull up words, Todd. I know. I'll be like, what's the word? And it'll be like piano. Yeah, you know, you, like I, I... You couldn't come up with the word prejudice when you're talking to the yes. girls about Martin Luther King. Yes, I was trying to... Someone, one of them asked me the best question and I was going into kind of this little... Uh, you know, talk about it, and I couldn't pull up one of the most important words to explain, and it was frustrating. So I get frustrated, but then I realize that the choices, it makes me more focused on making choices like not being on the computer, you know, making sure that meditation is an important part of the day, slowing down, being one-on-one with people. Like it re-energizes me to do that because I realize that will affect my ability to remember. Why are you holding the uh, speaker adapter thing? You talked about getting frustrated. Sweetie, do you get frustrated at Dr. John Kelly, our dentist? No. He does dentist work for all three of our children. And the one thing that uh, I had an email exchange with him a few days ago. So if you have kids that have open mouths or crowded teeth or sleep issues, Dr. John Kelly is the guy you want to reach out to. He's an expert in the field. His number is 773-631-6844. And the website is chicagodentistonline.com. So give him a buzz and tell him Zen Parenting sent you, and he'll uh, uh, give you some special treatment, <laughs> whatever that may be. Well, hopefully he treats everyone the same, but he may... Extra special. He, he'll say, oh, you know Kathy and Todd. Sweetie, um, it's dangerous for you to be here in the frozen food section. Because I'm melting all the be- stuff? My name's Todd. It's Italian for extra special. <laughs> I need to pull that up. Was Todd his witness protection name? Yes, it is. My name is Todd Wilkinson. <laughs> what was his real name? Uh, Vinny something. Oh, people don't know what that movie is, by the way. My Blue Heaven. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's such a great movie. I might have to pull up a YouTube clip on that before the show's over. Okay. Um, sweetie, tell me a story about how our oldest child uh, was talking to you about something and how you handled it. Um, all right, all right, okay. So, because I think you're, I think it's important. Okay, so uh, she was one of my children was just telling me a story about some things going on, you know, with her friends, this and that, you know, just conversation after school, and then she said, she started to tell me something. She goes, "Oh wait, I can't tell you that thing. I promised my friend um, that I would keep that a secret." And I said, "Okay," and that was about it. That was it. That was it. 
But didn't she say like, well, maybe I can tell you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then she said, well, maybe I can tell you in a little bit because once she tells blah, blah, blah and tells blah, 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 then it'll be open for everybody else to talk about. And I said, okay, sounds good. I thought there was more lessons to be learned from that story. Well, I think as as parents think that we need to know everything about our kids. Yeah, I think that the the nonchalantness, meaning, first of all. Did you say nonchalantness? Yeah, that was a bad word. I think that. The reason you liked that story when I told you that was because, first of all, the story she was telling me, I knew it, or at least I made an assumption. It didn't sound like anything serious. Mm -hmm. It was just something. It wasn't like, oh, my friend's having a problem and I can't tell you. It was like, oh, she told me the secret I can't tell you. And I was like, okay, like that's not a problem. And I wasn't like, oh, wait, tell me or you can trust me or I don't need to know. Not only that. And but it's not even healthy to know not. everything. And I don't really want to know. It's like- important for our kids to not have secrets from us, but to have their own life of about course. things that you and I don't know about. Of course. you. Her friend, I actually appreciated the fact that she was saying, my friend told me something in secrecy and I told her I'd keep this secret. And when she tells other people on blah, blah, blah day, then we can talk about it. But until then, I'm going to hold up what I said. And I, w- I value that. I'm like, okay, great. And And what's great about it is I think that it's bigger than just that moment. I think when I... When I talk with the girls, what I'm trying to relay is that I'm really excited to have conversation with you and I love hearing things from you, but I don't need it, meaning I don't – you know how – do you remember like when we were younger and there were certain adults who just loved to hear about kids' lives? Yeah. And I guess there's people our age – who do too, who kind of gossip about kids' lives. That is my pet peeve. That's my Achilles heel because I remember my mom had friends who would tell my mom stories about me that was completely untrue. Yeah. So I have a resistance. I I have, I I am triggered by gossip. And I don't want to hear it. And just like you, when I was little and I remember, you know, even when I was in high school and I'd be talking to certain parents and they'd be like, so tell me about who this person is dating or what's going on with this person. It felt so strange Mm -hmm. as like adults were kind of wanting to gossip with me about my friends. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is, even though I want to talk to my daughters about their lives, I don't need information about everybody else's life because it's kind of irrelevant. Not only is it irrelevant, but it can cause me to create stories in my head that may or may not be true. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't really need all that information. I don't think it assists my parenting. Right. Yeah. It does not help. And if if anything, it might hinder your ability to parent well. You know, and again, the girls know, and, and I think what it comes down to, what I'm trying to say is that they know if there's something that they want to talk to me about that I want to hear it because they want to tell me, but they also don't have to feel like mom needs all this information because right. I don't. Right. So it's like that balance between can you be a support system without being like, you know, trying to be best friends? Um, I think that's good. I okay. think we can move on. Okay. Um, so I read this blog and the name of it is called Are You Raising Nice Kids? Yes. A, a Harvard psychologist gives five ways to raise them to be kind, which is something that you and I talk about quite a bit as okay. far as do we want our kids to be happy or do we want them to be kind or like, you know, what is the definition of success? Right. All that to stuff. To feel full and whole. So the first one that this Harvard psychologist says is making make caring for others a priority. Uh, Parents tend to prioritize their children's happiness and achievements over their children's concern for others. Uh, Children need to balance their needs with the needs of others, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not going to go through everything, but it says one thing. It says the one thing that you can say to your kids, the most important, instead of saying the most important thing is that you're happy, say the most important thing is that you're kind. 
I think that that's good because really, well, it makes me happy to steal Joey's lunch. So mom, you want me to be happy. I'm happy. Mm -hmm. Versus if we start, you know, communicating a message to our kids of, um, you know, happiness is kind of conditional. You could be happy making other people feel sad, but you can't look at being kind to others in any other way than you're just being kind to others. I like it, um, but I have to add this, being such a self-awareness person is the important thing is to be kind to yourself and others. Yes. Because the thing that we can end up going down the path of, and especially this happens to girls, Mm -hmm. is be nice to people, be nice to people, be nice to people. And a lot of times we end up, especially girls, putting everybody else before us. And that's not something you want your kids to start with early on. True. And what you need to trust as a parent and what you need to let your children know is that the kinder they are to themselves, the more kindness they'll have for other people. Mm -hmm. You can't give what you don't have. And so if you are filled up with feeling good about who you are or filled up with a sense of inner kindness, like, you know, if I need – if I'm exhausted, I actually take a nap. If I um, am hungry, I actually feed my body. If I – you know, think something doesn't feel right, I trust my instincts. If you have that for yourself, then you are good to other people. And I think the thing that parents get confused about is they think that kids show kindness by being like, um, completely selfless. Yeah, and that, and that there's a balance there. There's a balance. And if you go too far one way, that's right. It'll blow up in your face. And a lot of times that's for other people's Viewing and enjoyment. Yeah, it's Look ego. Look how selfless my kid yeah, is. Yeah, it's ego-driven. Yeah. Uh, number two, provide opportunities for children to practice caring and gratitude. So they got like a why, a how, and a try this section. I'm just going to read two from the try this. Don't reward your children. For, well, let me re- read it again. Provide opportunities for children to practice caring and gratitude. Don't reward your children for every act of helpfulness, such as clearing the dinner table. We should expect our kids to help around the house with siblings and with neighbors and only reward uncommon acts of kindness. What do you think of that one? Well, I guess I just... Because I'm kind of guilty of that. Hey, thanks for clearing the table. But see, that's what I was just going to say, Todd, is don't put reward and gratitude together. Right. Reward is reward. Yeah. Meaning you cleared the table, you get an allowance. Yeah. I think you clear the table, but as a human being, I can say thank you. Right. So I think when this is how things get really crazy for parents is when they take things so literally and so black and white. If your child is doing something in the house to help, you can can always say thank you. And it doesn't mean your kid's going to end up spoiled or whatever. No, far from it. It's going to be the other way. And sometimes we remember to say thank you and sometimes we don't. But don't not say thank you because you read a thing on Facebook that said don't reward your kids because reward and gratitude are not the same thing right. in my opinion right. I don't know what this person's thinking but uh, if you want to find out go ahead and read the article we'll post it okay. on the show notes number okay. three the other thing I was going to say about gratitude is make gratitude a daily ritual at dinner time or bedtime in the car express thanks for those who contribute to us I mean it's, I think we do that all the time yeah. and you don't even have to do it at dinner time just meaning you can and that's a great great way to incorporate it but I feel like recognizing how people have helped you mm-hmm. Throughout the day, you know, if it be like, gosh, that was so nice that that teacher was standing at the door when you walked in and she held it for you. Or that was so nice that your friend would carry your clarinet to the car. Like just seeing it, just see it, just spot it, spot the gratitude. Number three, expand your child's circle of concern. Um, Use a newspaper or TV story to encourage your child to think about the hardships faced by children in another country. This is another one of those balanced things because if you hit them over the head too early of these really sad stories, it could 
end up biting you in the butt. But no, I, I think, you know, one concern I always have is are we raising our children in a bubble where like, you know, they don't see the plight of mm-hmm. the inner city or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like certain parts of this one. Yeah. And I just like the language that I always like is raising global citizens, mm-hmm. helping our children understand that they do live in a certain place that is safe and that they are blessed with with many of the securities that they have that many people don't have, but then you don't turn a blind eye to the people who don't. Right. You recognize, you see all over the globe, you know, what what's happening to girls in right. other places. And when I say what's happening, I don't mean in detail, but I mean that they don't have the same rights you do. I think this one can be done in big and small ways. Like when you when you first read it, um, the two things I thought of is number one, Channel One News, which mm-hmm. you and I talked oh, about yeah. a few episodes ago, um, which is the kind of a kids news station. It's called Channel One. You can go um, to Google and find it. JC still shows me stuff. She'll say, "You know what we saw on Channel One today? Yeah. I'll show you." And then we watch it together and have a discussion. Not every day, but right. she's shown me a few times since she originally brought it up. The second thing is, is that's a big way, a small way. Something that's always been really important to me because it's important to me, not because I it's necessarily part of a parenting plan, but is when you guys see a bug in your house, um, what do you do with it? Do you stomp it? Do you say gross bugs and bugs are the worst? And okay, and I'm not talking about a cockroach here necessarily because that's a toughie. Um, <laughs> toughie for some. Some people for, love some cockroaches. Some people love them. And you know, in the South, they call them palmetto bugs. That's yeah. just a better word. Yeah, um, but uh, you know. One big thing that the girls have, that we've always done in this house since the girls were very little, since they were born, is if we see a spider in the house, sometimes we just let it go. Yeah. Like especially if it's in the basement, spiders we're like, spider, are actually not a bad thing. That's the thing is like that's what we've kind of learned in our basement is that it's, they eat all the other little exactly, things. exactly. So not a problem. But if it's in a place in the kitchen or yeah. whatever, we need to remove it. We have a way. We have a spider removal system. We get a cup and a plastic and plate. a, pla- and a, a plate. Paper, paper plate. We put them in. We put them outside. And I feel like there's something. The girls will say, "Hey, little guy," mm-hmm. and they'll be like, "You know, we'll get you. Don't worry. We'll take care of you." And there's this like sense of connectedness to even the smallest. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, you know, that whole idea of the bugs are gross. And I know some people may have serious issues with bugs, so I don't want to say arachnophobia, wrong. sweetie. Yeah, remember some, that movie? I didn't see Jeff it, Daniels, but I know what the diagnosis of arachnophobia is. It's spiders. Spiders. Um, and you know, so I'm not telling you necessarily. What I'm saying is, if you have the stomach for it, be kind to insects. Insects, you know, recognize. Sweetie, their, what about mosquitoes? Um, that's the okay. The three I struggle with: mm-hmm. um, mosquitoes, palmetto bugs, cockroaches, <laughs> which I don't see very often. Um, no, we're lucky. We yeah, don't have that problem. We don't have that problem. But I used to remember that YMCA in Chicago that we used to go to, yeah. and we were training for triathlons and stuff. And it was the only place that had a pool early mm-hmm. in the morning. It was the most. I don't. I'm be, I don't want to rip on a YMCA, but it, I don't think think it exists anymore. No, it got think, torn I, down. I think they- But the girls' locker room had cockroaches. And I would like open a locker and I'd be like, come on. But we were young, so I was kind of like dealing with it. But mosquitoes, cockroaches, and flies. Flies are tough. But I have learned how to get a fly out without swatting them. Well, open doors and windows. I mean, I have when they... Sounds like an exercise in futility. (laughs) No. Come on, fly. Come on. Come on. It's you keep an eye on them. Okay, you've seen me try and swat one, and I'm like a crazy person. Yes, you are. You like destruct the whole kitchen I, with your the towel thing. that you have all over your shoulder. I know. I always have a towel over my shoulder. But if I, um, if they get on a door, you can be pretty. I've gotten better. 
because I would prefer to you sacrifice ten percent of them instead of yes zero. Of it's them. so working on it. But the point is, is that I think there's a bigger message than just that one fly. I think there's a sense of respect life, respect life, yeah. and that sometimes. You know, it, and and same with animals. Mm-hmm. You know, same with you know creatures. Yeah, they trees. Yeah. You know, doesn't matter. It's bigger than us, right. and the more that we can demonstrate that, it's great. Number four: be a strong moral role model and mentor. I don't feel like we need to talk about okay. this one because our that... whole show is based on that. Okay. Uh, and last one, guide children in managing destructive feelings. Mm-hmm. Often the ability to care for others is overwhelmed by anger, shame, envy, or other negative feelings. Um, we need to teach our children that all feelings are okay. Yeah, um, beautiful. I love – I was just going to say that's the most important part to me mm-hmm. is that the the actual sentence that you read is teach them how to manage mm-hmm. negative feelings, um, which is a part of it. But also let them know that scary feelings, uncomfortable feelings are absolutely normal. Right. I think normalizing is so important to children, right. especially around the time third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, that time when they're starting to – Things are coming on stronger, bodies are changing, thing, and and they need to know that the feelings that they have or the scary feelings do not make them crazy and do not make them different than any other human being. I think that the more that we as parents um, – I had a great dinner with some girls a couple nights ago, and we were sharing all these crazy stories about our dreams and about how we feel this way sometimes and sometimes we feel anxious and sometimes and we were just telling these deep things and we were all relating and acknowledging and validating and we just walked away from that dinner with such a sense of um not only community but a sense of gosh I'm just like everybody else right cuz isn't that what we want absolutely i mean we want to be individuals right. but we also want to know that we belong and that we're we're typical it's another paradox it is it we is always talk we about. want to be unique but the same. Yeah. Yeah. Same, good, same. Good, good. Same, um, same. So ready for our next segment of the show, sweetie? Sure. I want my money. <laughs> What'd she say? She's saying, I want my money. Oh. It's from that. Uh, <laughs> oh, is it? Yes, I know who that is. It's Will Ferrell. Yes. That's Pearl. Funny or Die. Pearl. It's the most downloaded Funny or Die one. And like this little two-year-old is Will Ferrell's landlord. Her name's Pearl. Pearl. <laughs> I want my money. <laughs> Really funny. Anyways, um, so here's my money segment of the show. You ready, sweetie? I'm ready. Uh, last time I talked about money, I talked about the difference between mutual funds and index funds. And I'm just going to further that example today, okay? The average cost of owning a mutual fund is 3.17%. doesn't seem like that much, but it is. But if you do an index fund, you can do it for like 0.5% or 0.4%, all right? Okay. So I'm going to give you a real life, not a real life, I'm going to give you an example to help understand how the difference between a low-cost index fund versus a higher-cost mutual fund will affect you. Okay. Three children. Let's okay. say that we have three children named J.C., Cameron, and Skyler. Ooh, that'd be interesting. And all at age 35, they all, for whatever reason, get $100,000 to invest. Okay. All right? And they each select a different mutual fund that has equal performance. So in other words, and the performance is 7%. So every okay. year, the $100,000 grows by, by 7%. Seven. But each fund has a different... Um, cost associated with it, okay? So let's say JC's got the lowest cost of 1% and Cameron was in the middle of 2% and Skylar was, she didn't shop real well and she picked a mutual fund that had a 3% cost, okay? okay. So Skylar had the highest cost. When 
they decide to cash in for their retirement. I forget what it is. It's like when they're 69 years old or whatever. Okay. Skylar's balance is $324,000. Okay. Sounds pretty good. Um, and she had a 3% cost. Cameron's is... it. Skylar's was three twenty four. Cameron's is four hundred and thirty two. Hers is two percent. So that is almost a hundred percent more, a hundred thousand dollars more, just one percent. And then JC's finally is five hundred and seventy four thousand dollars. So Skylar's balance was three twenty four. Cameron's was four thirty two, and JC's was five seventy four. Even though their cost was only affected by one percentage point. Wow. So the idea here is it doesn't sound like much. But compounded over time, it makes obviously a huge difference. It could be the difference between your lasting, your money lasting your entire lifetime or having to go for to assistance for family or government. It's a difference between clenching, teeth clenching anxiety and or peace of mind to enjoy your life. Practically, it can mean having to work an entire decade longer before you have the freedom to quit your job. Mm. <laughs> I sense the excitement from you, sweetie. <laughs> well- you know what I'm thinking about as you're reading? Because I really did follow what you were saying about each of them had a, just a 1% difference, yes. and yet it ended up being so much more money. Yes. So I didn't miss the, the deeper right. you thing. You got the gist. I think what's interesting, what I always think about is is in this arena, in the financial arena, you are lucky that you enjoy it because mm-hmm. it allows you to make good choices for the future and good choices for the present right. for not only yourself but for our family. Um, you know, and I know we do that together, but you always bring to the table all the information where I can make an educated right. decision. Right. You know, not a lot of people know this information, nor do they feel like researching it. You know, I always think about Susie Orman and, you know, she's like you, she's crazy about money and loves all that kind of stuff. And she'll always say, why don't people study this the way I do? Why don't people? Well, it. To some of us, but but you if you put it in terms of an example of do you want to work an extra ten years of your life, then go ahead and go get a mutual fund that's three percent fees, mm-hmm. or you can quit ten years earlier if you go invest in an index fund which actually performs better than a mutual fund right. for less money. And the thing with the mutual fund is you put up all the money, you take all the risk, and guess who gets to make money regardless of what happens? The people who – The yeah, mutual fund, the mutual manager. fund manager. So if so, this is just like my putting my flag in and saying look at where you invest your money because if it's in a mutual fund, in my humble opinion, it's not in the best place. What, what's on your flag? You're putting your flag in, you said. I'm putting my flag in, in. Oh, it's on the moon. I don't know. What no, do you no. Mean? Well, not what do you. What's on your flag? What does your flag look like? <laughs> Money. <laughs> Is it a financial flag? It's it's got a dollar sign on nice, it, sweetie. Nice. Okay, and a sweetie, smiley don't, face. Don't ask me to be creative here. <laughs> I am I am explaining something very non-creative. I know you're in, you're in your waffle head. I am. I love my waffle. You're waffling head. out. Um, so our last partner is Avid Company. Jeremy Kraft. He's a painting guy, a remodeling guy, all over the Chicagoland area. Number six three zero nine five six eighteen hundred. Um, what do you want to promote, sweetie? Did you already finish all five of the things? Yeah, that was oh. all five. Um, let's see. So first and foremost, we have the Mask You Live In, March 11th, uh, York Theater in Elmhurst. Get your tickets. I pass people all the time who say, Kathy, I'm getting tickets. I'm going to order them. And they're not doing it. And But there are other people who are. And we're kind of – we're not running low. We're okay. We're about – how we have about – 
25% left? Oh, I don't know. We're getting over, there. We're way over We're half. getting there. Yeah. So if you plan to get tickets, do it because mm-hmm. we're now a month and a half out. And so I'm assuming by the end of this month, they'll be gone or maybe before. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Sweetie, do you have anything else to sell? Yes. Did you want me to move on? Yes. Um, my books, uh, let's see, The Self-Aware Parent 1, Self-Aware Parent 2, and Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn. <laughs> I had a situation this weekend where I set my books down on a table because I did a presentation mm-hmm. and I was teaching and I came back in and they were just supposed to be set there to sell and people took them. Yeah. I just took them. Thanks a lot, people. <laughs> I had a sign up that said how much they were. People just took them. Anyway, but, you know, hopefully it'll help them, right? Just let them Very go. Very positive way of looking well, at it. Well, you know, they needed them, I guess. Um, and so that's there's that. There's the BU ZPR hat. Don't forget about the hat. And then uh, don't forget about doing all your shopping on Amazon, but go to our um, little Amazon box on our website first because that will help us fund future screenings that we do. Nice. And, among other things. Nice. Um, and then that's about all I got. Me too. Uh, I got a men's group too. So if you want to join that, uh, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. And I know something else as we're going out here. Todd and I are creating some interesting new things yes. that might be able to support you in your parenting on a weekly basis. And I'm pretty pumped about it, but I can't talk more about it yet. You're teasing them, sweetie. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm keating. Do you have any uh, words of wisdom? Um, my words of wisdom are... Enjoy what you do each day. I feel like you said that one already. I did not. I just say it a lot. I know. I've got words of wisdom. Wake up in the morning and don't look at your email until you've had some time alone. I'm going to say, wake up in the morning feeling like he did it. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. You did not. I did. As soon as I no, said wake up in the morning, I knew you were going to sing that. Keep trucking, everybody. Have a good week. Adios.